Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you are, however you are, whatever time it is. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we have got an awesome show lined up for you today. However, I do have to say the intro was a wee bit wrong there. Um, I am usually in Seville uh, and Seville is, is my base, is my home, uh, is where my life now is. However, this morning my, my wife woke up and said to me, hey Harry, let's go to Portugal today because why not? You know, it's the Easter holidays, the kid's not at school. Um, so we did and we found a ridiculously uh, cheap apartment, which when we got to, we realized was home to all of the teenagers in the entire world. Um, but it's lovely. We've got a nice view of the beach so I can sit here and look outside while I, I speak to you wonderful people all about um, TikTok teaching uh, and the like. So how has your week been? It has been exactly one week since since we last spoke, since I was last here. Um, and it for me has been, oof, it has been a, a roller coaster of a week. So you may or may not remember that last week I was discussing uh, issues with, with a certain project. Well, that is no longer a project that I am working on, which is pretty sad. Um, because I thought that it was the project of my dreams. Um, but at the end of the day, not every project can be the project of your dreams. And it was, um, it, well, it wasn't a nightmare. Um, that would be an exaggeration. The, the editorial team were absolutely wonderful. Uh, the other authors on the project were fantastic. Um, but I just couldn't get my head around the fundamental differences in the way we, uh, we looked at well, sustainability in general, um, and for me, it was a fairly important factor <laughs> that we could get over that and uh, and get through that and be able to continue. But um, in the end, we couldn't. So it is the first time I have ever left a project. So it leaves me feeling somewhat dismayed. I have to say, I I know that you know I was losing an awful lot of sleep over it. I, I literally was losing a lot of sleep over it that I couldn't get to sleep. And then I was waking up early to to continue the writing and the rewriting. And yeah, So in the end, we go through rewrite after rewrite of the first draft. So before it even gone to an editor, there was, you know, two or three different rewrites. And it just became too much. And while the, the pay after, after negotiating was pretty good, um, I I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. It was... It was destroying me. Um, I was not in a good mood. Uh, the The writing was not fantastic, so it was a it was a tricky one, and it was a tough decision. But in the end, I did have to make the decision, and for the first time ever, I left the project. But thankfully, all of my marigolds across the internet have been here to to support me and to back me up, and to tell me that you know what, sometimes you just have to do that thing. Anyway. Today we have a wonderful, wonderful interview um, with Annie Brugenschmidt, and it's coming up very shortly where we talk all about um, micro learning and TikTok teaching. So I don't know if you've seen Inglés with Annie, uh, if you've had a look at that over on TikTok, also on, on Instagram, um, and seen her unique take on how to, to teach chunks of English, you know, to take little parts of English and, and make them 
digestible for, in this case, a Spanish-speaking learner. So you know, she mentions that a lot of her listeners come in from the, the US and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's a Spanish speaker, but this Spanish speaker can be from any part of the world, of course. And she does have her unique take on how she managed to go from, from zero to 80,000 followers in, in just under six months. Um, and I think the key to it, as always, is the fact that she is herself um, and she has a wonderful self. So we will very shortly be speaking to Annie. Uh, in the meantime, hold on to your hats uh, and we've got the news for you. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. In union news, Daniel Kebede has been elected leader of the National Education Union. The union is the largest teachers' union and has been at the forefront of industrial action over teachers' pay in recent months. Mr Kabede said in a statement, after taking 69% of the vote to win the election, I am honoured to have been elected as General Secretary. I would like to thank everyone who has supported and campaigned for me. He went on to talk about the need for fundamental change in education and that this included an end to real terms pay cuts, an end to massive overwork of staff, the end of punitive Ofsteds and an increase in school funding. He also thanked current Joint General Secretaries Kevin Courtney and Dr Mary Bowstead for their inspiring leadership over the last six years. They will step down at the end of August. The BBC reports that, according to a leaked government document, almost a quarter of teachers in England are working 12-hour days, with around 60% of teachers saying they were doing 60 hours a week or more. The research by the Department for Education was carried out during spring 2022, but the findings have not been officially made public. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan has said that a new task force will be created to help reduce teachers' workload by an average of five hours per week. The leak comes as teaching unions consult members in England on a new pay offer, which includes the promise to reduce workload. The leaked document, marked confidential and given the title Working Lives of Teachers and Leaders, was produced by the DfE to examine issues around teacher supply, recruitment and retention. More than 11,000 teachers and leaders across primary and secondary were questioned. The report found one in four teachers were considering leaving the state sector within the next 12 months. Workload was the key factor in this decision. Three quarters said they spent too much time on paperwork. Two thirds of leaders said they spent too much time responding to government policy changes. One in five said they had low satisfaction in their working life, whilst almost a half rated their anxiety levels as high. Almost three quarters of teachers described their workload as unacceptable. Dr Mary Bowstead of the NEU accused ministers of withholding important information from the peer review body although the government denied this. A spokesperson for the government insisted that the recent pay offer of 4.3% plus a £1,000 one-off payment was fair and reasonable. 
The Department for Education has released an update on the .gov.uk website focusing on the review of the way relationship, sex and health education is delivered. The update comes after a number of stories across media outlets prompted concern and outrage from some quarters and claims that hysteria is being whipped up by right-wing agitators from others. RSHE education has been compulsory for pupils in primary schools since September 2020. In secondary schools, relationships and sex education must be taught. The review, which will be completed by an expert panel, will focus on how to ensure pupils have access to age-appropriate information and how to place protection from pupils being introduced to things that they are too young to understand properly. The panel will also consider how age ratings can be introduced for different parts of the curriculum. The review will be completed before the end of 2023. As we approach Easter, the debate about supporting families who receive support through free school meals should be supported in holiday times and it's opened up again. The big issue raises concerns that despite the cost of living crisis, many families will go without support until term begins again. In what it calls a postcode lottery for support, many families will miss out as current funding largely depends on where you live. In England, the government is not directly funding free school meals over the Easter break, but support may be available if local councils decide to provide meals or vouchers. Many councils are relying on the holiday activities and food programme to support low-income families. In Scotland, some councils are offering free school meals payments to low-income families, but universal free school meals for children in primary 1 to 5 will not be available. There is some support available, but it varies by council, as does the amount of support being offered. The Welsh Government has made free meals available throughout the holiday period. The Government in Wales announced that £9 million has been provided to support eligible pupils with a free meal up to the end of May half term, including all bank holidays. The support will take the form of meal vouchers, money or packed lunches. In Northern Ireland, no free school meal provision is available. The previous holiday hunger payments of £27 per fortnight ceased on April 1st. A Department for Education spokesperson said it was because additional ring-fenced funding had ended. But campaigners focusing on food poverty said the decision was abhorrent. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Live from Seville. And we are back. Thank you very much for hanging in there. It was a uh, uh, that was Joe. Um, we did not have the two minute tech today, but I'm sure it will be back very soon. Hopefully by next week, of course. So how have you been? I hope you've been well. Um, I'm going to jump straight in here with the interview with with Annie Bruggen Schmidt. She uh, spoke to me the other day. She's actually working at this very moment. So again, this is not a live interview, but any questions you do have please do drop them in the chat. Or, of course, if you're listening back afterwards, let us know. And, uh, of course, you can send us a message or get in touch with Annie herself directly. She gives her message at the end and tells us how we can get hold of her. And, obviously, if you're listening on um, any podcast provider, please do leave a review and say just how five-star wonderful we really are. So without further ado, here is our interview with Annie. Um, as I say, any questions, just drop them in the chat. So welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you, Harry. Thank you so much for, for having me here. I'm very happy to be here. 
not as happy as I am. I'm happier than you, I promise. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We could have a debate on that one, but but we'll see. We could. Maybe we could have, yeah, some kind of discussion towards the end of who is the happier to have the who on the where. Anyway, um, that's kind of beside the point. So, Annie, it's it's lovely to, to have you here, as I've said. Now, as I do with everybody, every guest I ever have on, I want to know more about them and their journey in ELT. So basically, where did you come from? And how did you get to where you are today? Uh, mm -hmm. Take as long as you like. <laughs> wow, yes, a big question, but but definitely a fair question. Um, I'm from the United States. I'm from Indiana. Do you happen to know much about Indiana? Not a lot. Um, I know that no, it's, I mean... uh, it's got a, a person named after it, whose surname okay. is Jones. Um, and one of my yeah. good friends is called Indiana. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, has a car race. Yes, that's true as well. The Indy 500. Yeah, there you go. Sadly, I've never been to it. I, I was going to go um, potentially right before COVID hit. I was talking with my friends about, you know, we live in Indiana. We should go to the Indy 500. Uh, and then and then we didn't have the chance. But that's probably the main thing that's known, I would say, from from the area, from the state. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm an Indiana Hoosier. I grew up there my whole life, um, really like in central Indiana. and. Um, Fast forward to, well, let's say to high school. I was in Spanish classes, really enjoyed my Spanish classes. And at some point in high school, probably toward the end, I decided I wanted to get into education. Um, so I decided to study elementary education at Indiana University. So that was my my major, studied elementary education. Um, and I also was getting a minor in Spanish. Um, I'm sure you've, you've heard the word minor. I don't know if they use that in England though, right? But they minor. don't, no, they don't. But yeah, I... I... I get the, yeah. the the system. You have like a, the major, which is the big one, and the minor, which is not quite as big. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I I had um quite a lot of of course elementary education focused classes, and then some that were focused specifically on Spanish. Um, a couple of linguistics classes too, which I totally nerded out in those classes. I loved those um so much, and just the Spanish in general. And at some point, um, when I was studying in college. It was probably about two years in, I decided to get a, um, what we called there an ENL license. It seems like that term is not used quite so much over here, ENL, English as a new language. Oh, I've, never, um, I've literally never heard it, ever. No, yeah, yeah, that was the the literally the title of the license, ENL. Um, but then I, um, of course, through my classes there, and, and since then I've heard ESL, second language, and then you were using the term ELT, um, which I heard, of course, more during the TESOL um, conference to ELT, which I hadn't been exposed to so much until then. But there, you know, there are a bunch of terms for it. Oh, there are so many. We've got so yeah. many TLAs, I like to call them, three-letter abbreviations for <laughs> for everything in ELT or, you know, yes. EAT or all of them. We've got them all. We've got every t TLA. Exactly. Everything. Yeah. Um, but but I, I really enjoyed um, those classes as well. I think technically one of the linguistics classes that I took at that time was because of the ENL license um, and found that super interesting, found all of my theory classes really interesting too in ENL. And um, I'm not sure, again, so much that this is required throughout Europe and, and in England too, but we in the United States, we um, for our last semester in education, we always do our student teaching semester. Um, so I also did my student teaching semester, which was 
half you know focused on a general education kindergarten classroom and then half of it was focused in the ELT realm so I worked with um, really smaller groups and smaller groups of students who were <clears throat> well I think the term non-native speakers could be debatable um, so, but some of them were let's say English learners that's another three three letter term ELL English language learners there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> so at that time um, there was I worked with with some students um, who were English language learners of various levels and they, most of them were in, in third and fourth grade. And I found that to be a really awesome experience um, in part because it was just, it was super interesting. It involved, um, you know, such a, a, let's say mix of languages and backgrounds. During that time, I feel like I was able to learn a lot and especially felt like I was able to learn a lot because of coming from central Indiana, which especially that area of Indiana, we don't necessarily have a lot of, much of a mix of cultures per se mm -hmm. i mean yes of course some but but not a lot and not much of a mix of languages either um i know what so you I mean my... I, I live in like rural andalusia so it's there's <laughs> like diversity is not the the key word here that's for sure <laughs> yeah exactly and you could definitely say that um about you know the the specific area that I came from, so that was it was really interesting because I knew that I was interested in Spanish and in languages and linguistics. Um, that that was all super interesting to me, but it, it had basically all been in a classroom environment. So of course, in that sense, it's a bit you could say you know structured, not so authentic. I mean, yes, in some ways authentic, and I know that of course teachers. In any of those contexts, they try to make it as authentic as as possible. But, um, but it was cool to be able to to get that real experience, real field experience at that time. Um, that was in the fall of twenty twenty, fall semester of twenty twenty, and then it was also during that time that I was looking into possibly moving to Spain, because I guess something I skipped over is I had previously studied um, in Alcalá de Henares. I'm sure. Oh yeah, just outside Madrid. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, so that was in 2018, but that was just a month. Um, I, I was studying, I, I was living with the host family um, just for a month. It was also, you know, it got me some some Spanish credits, which was great. Uh, and I expected to really enjoy that, but I definitely, I mean, it's the cliche, everybody says it, but I, I enjoyed it more than I even expected. And I got really lucky with my host family. They were so nice. I mean, my Spanish at that time was... <laughs> was a little rough to classroom say Spanish let's call it that you know <laughs> yeah. it's, when you don't have real exposure to a, a language it's, it becomes very kind of stagnated and like classroomy you know it just, mm -hmm. it's just the way it is mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that that was definitely me at the time um but but like I said my host family was super nice um super welcoming um you know included me in, in a bunch of different activities and had a lot of patience for my Spanish which was so important for me. I mean, I still remember getting like so nervous and anxious about trying to have like a real conversation with them in Spanish um, during that time. But um, I definitely improved during that. But then it left me with the feeling of, okay, you know, I'm not finished um, with with my Spanish here. Like there's so much more that I want to learn and improve on. And I loved being in Spain. Um, of course, living in a suburb was 
but it felt, you know, like a very authentic experience to me. And I loved that. Um, and then at the same time, I was still, I was looking into options in Madrid as I was about to graduate, um, just because I had visited Madrid being so close when I was in Alcalá de Henares. Really enjoyed Madrid, thought I wanted, you know, to try out the city life per se, because I'm not from a city and had never, had never lived in a city before coming to Madrid. Um, and then I found um, the ox world, the auxilia, auxiliar world per se, language assistant world. So I, I applied for a position as a language assistant and that, that was again in the fall of 2020, got accepted. And it was like, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> it was like this whole feeling of like, uh, again, I guess like cliche, but it's like, can I actually do this? Like, yeah, I applied for this, you know, awesome opportunity to live in Spain. But I was like, oh my gosh, like moving to Spain, like I've only lived in central Indiana, you know, <laughs> with people that I've known my whole life, speaking the language I know and that kind of thing. Um, but then I was like, you know, I, I talked to some people about it, talked to friends, talked to family and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So, you know, I, I made it official and like my, my deposit and everything and moved to Madrid then in January of 2021, which was during COVID. It so, was indeed. That must've been super fun. Yeah, that was interesting. It was really it was, I mean, I'll never forget that whole like period of time because it was like <clears throat> so much stress at one time and so much excitement too. I mean, obviously everyone in the world was facing stress and some of course more than I was. I mean, I recognize that. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, even though it's, it's COVID is happening, I, I don't want to delay this. So, um, I decided to do it. And some of the challenges of course were, you know, I, I had to get my visa before even coming over to Madrid, which is not always the case, at least for, for people from the United States. So I had to make sure that I had that before I bought my flight. Um, and then there was, um, the whole PCR process. I needed to make sure that I got a PCR within 72 hours of the flight, but still got the results, you know, we've, we've, yeah. So Thanks. much fun. So Thanks much that. fun. Yeah. And it was like that, all of that on top of like moving to another country. I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Um, am I am I gonna make it? But oh no, and then <laughs> the other layer was Philomena. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, Philomena the storm that um <laughs> that absolutely devastated Madrid a couple of years ago when it snowed in Madrid, something that, that doesn't often happen if uh for our, for our listeners, yeah. It, it, so that must have made it even easier for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that storm, the snowstorm hit as all of us in my auxiliar program were literally on the way. So then I, I met a few people in my program in the airport, and we ended up getting stuck in Lisbon for three nights, um, which is not a bad place to get stuck, of course. Could, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, but it was it was quite a process. And then we finally made it. Um, which was obviously great. And so at first here in Madrid, I was teaching at a public school. Um, so that was, there's a limit of two years being an ox. Um, I'm sure that you would know that, but so I started that in 2021 in January and then was an ox at the same public school until um, June of, of 2023 of, of, or sorry, of 2022. 
of last year. June 2023 <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will get there. Don't worry. I, I hope. I hope. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was there for for a year and a half at that at that school, um, which was great. It was an elementary school. Um, I put in that preference because of you know what I had studied, kind of as I explained, and and I was with a mix of different ages, um, which was great. Again, I feel like I got super lucky with the school that I was at too, because all of the teachers were super. They were passionate and, and respectful of us as the language assistants and, um, you know, they respected our time, they respected, they, they tried to um, not, I would say, not overuse us for our position and not underuse us for our position, like they, they incorporated us very well and, and it was so cool, I mean, for that whole period of time to actually be in a bilingual school. Uh, my, my school is called um, Asturias. It's in Vallecas and, and it's called Asturias. And it was so cool to be there, like truly immersed in a bilingual school. Yeah. Of course, my position was to be speaking English like the whole time. Um, but a lot of the students, you know, they might speak to each other in Spanish and, and things like that. And I always, like I said, I nerd out about linguistics. I nerd out about grammar and any Spanish I can listen to and pick up. Um, I, I was nerding out over that internally. I tried to <laughs> hold to my position of speaking English. Also, but... you've got the, the staff room as well. Like when I was working in a in a school, yes, my classes were ninety eight percent in English, but the classroom mm -hmm. was the the staff room was one hundred percent Spanish. So yeah. you know, it, it made my yeah. it, it really improved my Spanish massively. And that reminds yeah. me that my daughter she she's nine. She's um at school and and she has an auxiliar. And her name is Annie, but she's from Minnesota. She's not from. She's from St. Paul, so she's not. Uh, oh, really? She's not from from Indiana, I'm afraid. That oh. would have been a really crazy coincidence. But that would have been crazy. Yeah, I mean, not too far off, you know, at least like accent wise and that kind of well, thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. That's super so, cool. So, so what happened after June when you finished in the school? Where, where did you go then? Yes. Um, <laughs> at that point, um, in June, I was really having like a um what would you call it kind of not a midlife crisis but a a, a quarter panic. life crisis <laughs> yeah, a panic. A quarter life crisis does that exist i don't know i think i've heard the term but some kind of crisis panic whatever you want to call it it was that was happening to me um and i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do and if i wanted to go back to the us i had really been thinking about that i mean was heavily considering it and but I was also thinking, I mean, I really, really love living in Madrid and everything language wise and, and also culture wise, but let's go language wise that that's involved with living in Madrid. And I, I knew I would miss that a lot. So I don't know, I was having this crisis, but then I came across a job at um, an academy with with adults. Um, so right now I'm working at American Language Academy and and I'm working with adults, which is yeah, totally um, a shift, of course. I'm going yeah. with working with kids, working to adult, working with adults is um, yeah, it was a shift. And um, I I don't know. I think I was in a certain sense. I I came across the job and I was almost like I don't know. I was in the the headspace of like, okay, I'm probably going back to the U.S. And then I was like, oh. Okay, so this is happening, and it was a great opportunity, and I ended up 
um, going forward with it and, and doing what I needed to do over the summer to prepare and, um, you know, get, get the documents going, that whole, whole thing, that whole process, um, and started with them in September, this past September. Um, so now I'm, I'm working with adults and I have group classes, like small group classes, usually between two people to seven or eight people on, on any given day. And it's been really great too, working there. So that's your, that's your, let's, let's call that professional side yeah. of things. That, yes. Not to say the other side of things isn't professional because it is <laughs> professional yeah. as well, but um, yeah. Let's let's look a bit now towards the the topic of this conversation. Should yes, be. Um, the, the the micro learning and TikTok teaching. A nice bit of alliteration in there. Um, so yes. I I discovered you on on Instagram um, mm. and and spoke to you on Instagram. You know, watched some of your videos. Was like, wow, oh, they're cool. I've I've seen a lot of 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 teacher videos on online like a lot um yeah and <laughs> some of them are, are really good some mm. of them are videos on instagram um some you know <laughs> uh, but but yours like really stood out to me for a number of reasons mm. um and we'll talk about those shortly mm. um but yeah then you said actually i'm i'm more on tiktok and i was like oh yeah i forgot i'm old i don't really look at tiktok very often <laughs> Uh, although apparently there is one video of me on TikTok which does have fifteen thousand views, so you know. Hey, not, there you go. Cool. You know, it's not it's not half a million, but you know, it's not it's not bad. It's not bad. Hey, but no, that's that's pretty good. I'll have um, to check it out. There you go. It's, it's it's with Charlie's lessons, by the way. He's uh okay, he yeah. was actually he was actually my first ever guest, I believe. But anyway, oh, okay. um, I digress. So I saw that and I was like, hey, this is cool. I want to mm -hmm. learn more from you because of your mm -hmm. cool videos. So you do this this teaching on TikTok um, mm. and you help students with micro learning. So mm. what was it that made you think, I want to do that? Good question. <laughs> um, okay, well, going back to what you said about developing professionally, I feel like I've been able to make my ideas about teaching and some of like the challenges of learning English, specifically as a Spanish speaker and all of that, I've been able to, to, to make those more concrete through um, working at, at the academy that I'm at now, which has been really great. Um, and I also knew, I mean, really throughout my life that I enjoy making videos. I would not consider myself like an expert on video making or anything. I've never like studied that necessarily, but when I was younger with my friends, we always made these like stupid videos that we thought were hilarious, you know, little movies and, and stuff like that. I always loved, <laughs> <laughs> you never know, but I, I remember loving doing that. Um, and then there have been different times, let's say within the last year or so, that I'll create like a reel of, of something like a weekend trip or um different like little little videos that kind of got me back into like okay how, how can i do that and i was doing that with instagram so that's really like the the tool that i normally use to put the videos together at least that i know how to use right now um and i would say along with that um i like i said i always 
really nerd out over this stuff, not to repeat myself, but it's like, it's definitely, I think, to a whole new level. I think when I moved to Spain, there were times when, when I first moved here, like I would catch myself just talking to myself in Spanish or like whispering to myself in Spanish on the street to like, I don't know, to put, put sentences together, like new phrases I heard and stuff like that. And I just find it so cool and so fun. Um, so knowing all of that, the, the videos, the finding these phrases, new vocabulary to be so fun and like making my ideas more concrete. Um, I'd kind of considered this video idea, you know, maybe I can, I can start to do this and put, put these into some, some, some sort of, um, some sort of material or some sort of content as people call it. Um, and actually also my boyfriend who I have talked to about like these different things and I always nerd out over English with him. He's Italian. So he's also like, we, we speak in English, but he's not a native English speaker. Um, speak, he speaks great English. Um, but we, we've talked about those sorts of things. And he also kind of encouraged me, um, to start doing that, to, to start, to start into the, you know, video journey. And I was like, you know, maybe I should go for it. Um, and I actually started on YouTube first and was mm -hmm. making, you know, horizontal or people call it like long form content on YouTube. Um, but it was, it was pretty short, long form content. And then I also started making some shorts on YouTube since that's like a new feature that YouTube has, which are like the, the vertical videos, right? Yeah. The shorter ones. Um, and I had told a few people, you know, Hey, I'm making these videos. I told a couple of students that I've had to, I'm making these videos. If, if they're helpful for you, you can check them out. Um, and a couple of students and, and a few different friends too told me, um, Hey, Annie, you should also post them on TikTok. Like on TikTok, you can really, um, your videos can grow a lot faster. A lot of people, um, you know, they just, they hit the algorithm. I still don't even feel like I know exactly how that works, the whole algorithm thing. <laughs> um, but some people told me that and I thought, okay, you know, if these people are, are telling me this, why not? Because I already had these vertical short form videos. So yeah. I, I started to post them on TikTok and then on Instagram too, where you said you found me. Um, so in terms of the short form, videos that are that are vertical i post those on all three of the those different platforms and it is through tiktok that i started um the the following started to just really take off specifically on tiktok um and like i said i can't claim i know exactly how the algorithm works um but it's gone very well on tiktok and it's been it's been super interesting i mean i feel like at the very least i've improved um, been able to improve since my first videos, kind of make them a little bit more, um, easy to follow and that sort of thing. Yeah. And when was your, when was your first post about? Yeah. My first post would have been in November, November of, of last year. Okay. So it's really, really not long ago at all. Like it was, it was yeah. really very recently. Um, yeah. yeah, like five, five months ago. Yeah, exactly. About five months ago. It's been pretty recent. Exactly. Basically overnight is that that's, as you know, as a 39 year old man, that feels like it would be <laughs> overnight. So, um, More or less. yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And and now, you know, your, your following is, well, it's significant. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, 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 the recent video that you posted, I think six days ago. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, I've just, uh, 
I've just put it on my computer there. So if anybody heard it over the, the microphone, um, <laughs> the, the one all about the dot, the dot. Or, or, or as you would call the period, I would call the full stop. Yes. Um, or the yes. point. Or point uh, or decimal. Some, yeah. some people point it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it went, it exploded, didn't it? It, it, it went, it, did. it, it went really well. And uh, I remember, so I started, I, I looked at your TikTok just about the day before that, and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. she does have a yeah. significant following. And then I looked at it again yesterday, and I was like, what happened this weekend? Um, <laughs> and it went up by a, about 21,000 people? Yeah. Over the, think... over the weekend or something mm -hmm. like that? It was That's right, yeah. Quite, yeah. quite a lot. Um, and yeah. Yeah, it was definitely not not super expected. But it was it was cool, very cool to see, and something that, like I said, does not happen so much on on Instagram or on YouTube, or at least doesn't happen so easily, from what I am experiencing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's let's look a bit um, about your videos in particular um, mm -hmm. because they're a bit different. They're not mm -hmm. the same as as other videos. So mm -hmm. you you mentioned you talked to your talk to your boyfriend about these these things and and that mm -hmm. kind of came up. So mm -hmm. what what makes your videos different? Why are they different? Oh, good question. Um I I don't feel like I've watched quite as many um teacher or teaching videos. Um, as maybe what you've watched like over over time. Um, I've definitely watched some with different approaches. And I've seen a few different creators um that I've followed to who who are Spanish speak like native Spanish speakers and then create videos kind of the same way, um, in a similar way that I do. So I guess what makes my videos a little bit different is that I'm explaining in all my videos basically everything in Spanish, all my explanation is in Spanish. And then um, I try to use different scenarios, maybe a little, a little bit of acting sometimes, and then also text that I add to the videos um, in order to, to give examples and kind of represent how you can use the type of phrase or the vocabulary that I'm trying to teach in the video. Um, I really so like the, I really like the fact that you know it's not. So it's not all one thing or another. So, you know, there's there's the one about the coffee vocabulary. Um, but then you also have like phrases that are commonly confused. Um mm -hmm. yeah, like like the the cuanto tiempo one, um, yes. you know, how much time. Exactly. Like I like exactly. I think the one that gets me the most is todos los días, okay, when people are like yes. all of the days. It's like all the no, days. No, <laughs> yeah. not, not that one. That's not I the wish. answer. Exactly, exactly. And coming like, you know, we we have both been in situations where we're learning a new language. A lot of people have been in those situations and we all know how that feels, right? And so we we know the feeling of, <clears throat> um, okay, I say this in my first language, so I'm just gonna try to translate it literally into my second language. Um, and then sadly, sometimes it doesn't work out because you look as um, crazy as a goat if you do that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've had many of those moments when I've been speaking in Spanish with, with Spanish speakers, you know, where maybe you get a funny look or something like that. And honestly, that's that's kind of another big focus of of my videos is a lot of the phrases that that I'm teaching 
are phrases that you can't translate literally. And that's why I find them to be so fun. I mean, basically all the phrases, the specific phrases like, um, like, well, I'm thinking about doing one actually on like, no tiene nada que ver, like, mm -hmm. um, it has nothing to do with that. Or um, maybe like you said, cuanto tiempo, um, long time no see, things like that. When I learned those in Spanish, I was so excited. Um, and like, I just, I remember all these moments, like, like the specific moment I remember when I learned I was on the Metro reading a book in Spanish. And as I was reading, it was used in context. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what that means or what phrase that should be in English, you know, and it's not translated literally. Um, but all those, these phrases that can be used on, in kind of everyday scenarios are, you know, obviously super useful. So since I found that so fun to learn in Spanish, I like to to kind of flip it around and be able to teach them in English. It's, it's, uh, I do yeah. like that that idea, but it's not only those phrases that you use, obviously, you do also, right. you know, teach other things as well, like pronunciation and yes. um, things that I imagine you've noticed a lot more now you're teaching adults than when you were teaching kids, like, you know, these these fossilized errors, like the, the L's in modal verbs. Yeah. Um, I, yes i've seen that video i like that video um <laughs> the, the things like that are so important for for mm -hmm. students to have now i'm not trying to suggest that you know if you want to learn another language the the best thing to do is just only use micro learning and TikTok. um <laughs> don't get me but as an added tool as something extra it's mm -hmm. such a useful thing to have because you don't necessarily have those moments in the classroom you know mm -hmm. you, you may have the l's in should would could and so on mm -hmm. uh, but are yeah. you going to remember that like three years later or you know you've yeah. learned that when you were 17 are you but if you've got it on a 30 40 second video it's like oh i can do that in 30 or 40 seconds obviously mm -hmm. um, yes. but just yeah. having it there in front of you just this this really short burst of of mm -hmm. something Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's how I feel about it. And like you said, um, I, I feel like some of the inspiration does come from, from my students, whether they're private students or at the academy, things that I see there that can be useful, um, maybe are common mistakes, common, common words that are confused, like you said, could, would, should, um, the pronunciation of those, or I recently did one about college versus colleague. Um, I hear that one definitely with, with adults. And those are very common words that that they're going to use you know so we might go over it in class but um but i like to think that they're they'd be either good new information or good reminders for for yes mostly mostly an adult population yeah um, and well, I think, certainly I think, teens as well um a lot of them it's, it's yeah. really useful for teens um yeah the the Me colleague too. and college one they'll have the word in front of, they'll have the word colleague and it it's college to them because it starts mm -hmm. C-O-L-L, -L, so it must be college. Uh, I know mm -hmm. that word, so it must be that one. Exactly. I just teach co-worker because exactly. colleague's too hard for me to spell. It's like, oh, what are those vowels doing at the end of that word? Oh, co-worker, yeah. that's fine. Yes, I know. You know, I, I should start to teach that one too. That's actually a good idea, co-worker. It's, they always want to literally translate colega, and yeah. then that's what, you know. My so. mates. It's my mates yeah. here. My mates as well. Like, yeah. classmates? What kind of mates are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah exactly exactly so it's always, uh, I, I really like as well like a lot of your video I mean 
they do vary. It's not always the same format. But I mm. like that they're not um, highly edited. So yes, you have the the vocab on there and stuff like that. Mm. But mm. Uh, and yes, there are the kind of acting ones where you do a bit of cutting here and there and everywhere. Mm. But a lot of them, it's it's you and a camera. It's you speaking mm. to the camera, and it, it it's not. I know with a lot of content creators. Mm. They'll have a, a two, three minute video that they'll spend four or five hours on. Um, I, I I can't I can't deal with that, which is why I do live radio, because that means I don't have to edit anything. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah. The editing can definitely take some time. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um yeah. especially yeah, when you're putting the words in and yeah, you've had to point at the right mm -hmm. moment and stuff like that. It's it's quite annoying when you see somebody and they put the point in and the word comes a few seconds later or like half yeah. a second later. It's like, oh come on. I'm such a perfectionist about that. Yeah. Which <laughs> makes me take a little extra time, but but it's worth it, I think. Yeah. So um, I, I, I just noticed your your CH pronunciation one as well. Um mm -hmm. I was doing a a session the other day which is called strip which is the one of the first sessions i ever did which is all about pronunciation um mm -hmm. and the last thing in the whole uh part is all about ch pronunciations it's called mm. a, a curious yeah. approach to the chaos of ch, oh my gosh in there wow yeah um, that's a good one <laughs> uh, and then of course there's choir which which you know just choir. just throws yeah. everything out the window Yes, interestingly enough, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but Europeans in general that I've talked to, I would say, um, especially Europeans, I guess, from from Spain and Italy specifically, have they they a lot of them have not known that word when I've mentioned it to them. Choir. Yeah. Have, has, have you have you noticed that? Like that yeah. word specifically is the one that I've noticed that it's like they they don't recognize it. It's, I find it so interesting. It might be because of the sound. I mean, because Maybe. that sound never ever happens. So yeah. um, I don't know. It's literally the yeah. only word that does it. Um, exactly. Which very interesting. Yeah. Maybe they know the word chorus too. Yeah. Yeah. Because so coro in exactly in Spanish, they they maybe translate it that way. Um, <laughs> exactly. So of your of your videos, mm -hmm. um, which one was your favorite to make? Oh favorite to make well i do feel like one that you were talking about with the the punto the you know period dot um full stop as you would say all of those words that was interesting to make um and i had had the idea and it kind of um i i forgot about it for a little bit and the, then the idea came back to me because i talk about it in class every now and then um and I was like, wow, you know, th this one, I feel like it's interesting and I feel like it'll be useful and, and other people will find it interesting too, just because of the the fact that as far as I know, there's just one word for it in Spanish. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, that was um, how it was received that it was very interesting um, to a lot of the people who watched it. That one definitely got, you know, quite a lot of views and I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I got a lot of different comments coming kind of from different angles yeah. um, about, you know, in Spanish, there's just one word for it. Like why do English speakers complicate things so much and things like that. Um, I didn't invent the language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm, sometimes I, I do get, you know, some interesting comments that are maybe one could perceive them as critical. And I'm like, 
you know, if I could change some of these things, I would, but I simply can't. So I'm just trying to like let you guys know, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that one was fun to make because just be, because also that it was different. Many times I'll have text or words or phrases that I'm showing um, that I add to the video, but that, you know, a lot of it was based on just a single dot. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing with with dots. Um, there are those different uses for it. And it is so often, you know, you'll ask a student their email address and they'll be like, it's Juan Arroba. How do you say Arroba? That's yeah. At, arroba Gmail. No, that's Gmail. Punto <laughs> dot. Yeah. You know, every single, like that, that one for me is the, the dot com <laughs> is, is the one that's, I don't know, anyone who's kind of over 25, 26 will remember the, the dot com boom or whatever but yes. anyone younger than that is just like dot com what's that what what are you talking about you know so yeah nobody <laughs> even knows that because that's not the only dot that we have now there's dot mm -hmm. live whatever so yeah uh, exactly a really big one um mm -hmm. i was wondering if you'd ever thought about the number zero um and how many different uses there are for that particularly in english you know we've got Ooh. zero we say oh when we're using phone numbers there's oh. naught that we say there's nil that we say in football when it's nil nil because when spanish people talk about football they say zero zero but it's actually oh. nil nil in english so oh that's one that i wouldn't particularly say or that i haven't heard so much nil interesting well, there, you, there you go but, but yeah that's an idea i'm writing that down right now <laughs> and if you're scottish you might even say nil all but um not many no way, really yeah, nil all yeah because you know one one is one all um so yeah, yeah i don't know that's just an idea I think one slang we have, I don't know if you would say this, this slang, but I would say goose eggs sometimes. Goose eggs? Goose egg. <laughs> sometimes people what say is, that. What does that goose mean? Eggs. Like goose eggs, like zero, zero. Ah, uh, ah, uh, okay. I was yeah. like, hang on a minute. What are you talking about? Goose eggs? <laughs> what? Goose eggs. Uh, okay, that What's makes it? sense. Yeah. I think I'm using that right. Hopefully I might have to double check that one, but yeah. Sports <laughs> vocab. There you go. You could dress up like a sports and just do a sports vocab. <laughs> um exactly, exactly. i think the yeah. first one i ever saw you do was the was the coffee vocab mm, yeah that one was uh that one that yeah. i've noticed now because i've you know seeing it on tiktok that one also did really well that one that one yeah. went down really well as well it um, did yes yeah so thank yeah, you was, um, were you thinking of any others like so coffee vocab or i don't know eating out vocab or i know you've got yeah. the, i want to invite you one which is a, yeah yeah oh man that one that one comes up a lot yeah. um yeah I've, I've definitely thought about trying to incorporate more context you know being outside um I think it's always good for for you know whoever is watching the videos or the students to see these things in context as much as you as much as they can that's why um I didn't necessarily think that the coffee vocabulary one would be like that interesting like you know i i thought it was interesting good things for for people to know like the word lid um cup you know things like that for a to-go coffee as least as i would say to-go coffee um but people seem to find that super super useful yeah um i, I had a lot of people commenting on that one um <laughs> that like i i asked them how to say the word tapa which is lid and a lot of people commented that when I said tapa, they thought it was tape. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> was... my my daughter used to say, "Oh, I need to I need to tap this. I need to tap this." And so, no, you need to cover uh, it. 
tapar. So yeah, I need to tap it. It's, exactly. It's, it's quite funny with with my you know seeing as my my daughter's nine now, so she doesn't make the 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 same mistakes anymore. But I remember once we we were in IKEA and there were there was free chocolate samples over at the side, and mm-hmm. uh, and my daughter walked over and said, "Ah, oh, chocolate libre." And it's like, well. <laughs> kind of cute just imagine it running along the wilds now that you know the the, the difference between libre and gratis in spanish is the yeah. difference between free and free now one of them is like freedom the other one is not having to pay for it and, and what my daughter said for anyone who doesn't speak spanish was that the chocolate was free it had freedom you know so i was imagining yeah. it running across the plains of africa you know oh chocolate libre um, exactly or just busted out of jail with a new prison tat on, you know, just like, yeah, yeah. I'm free now. So free chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I found quite chocolate. funny. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, and there are so, I mean, it, it's like those little things, those little differences that you might not catch or like the things that you can't translate literally, uh, it's like they're infinite, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because you don't realize how infinite they are until i don't know you start to make videos or or content yeah. or something like that and you're like wow save and save is another one of course you know, you know so talk what was it sorry? save like ahorra or guardar mm-hmm. like the, the, the different yeah. you know different yes. things there so there's there's so many um exactly. and yeah it's, it was great it's, it's great for me watching alicia my daughter grow up and seeing them which is when i saw your video it like it kind of transported me like to that as well um mm-hmm. and it just i don't know they're, cool. they're 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 short and and simple and it seems like i don't know very easily digestible which i guess is the whole point in micro learning mm-hmm. um yeah. so how would you describe yourself now what would you call yourself so you know I've, I've got the title obviously on the on the artwork um i've showed you um but <laughs> right you know, you're an english teacher you're are, are you a TikTok teacher? What what are you? I don't I don't even know. Do you even know? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I even know. That's a good question. I haven't thought through that too much. I mean, I I guess TikTok teacher could be a good way to put it. TikTok teacher, or like, I almost want to say like TikTok English helper. I mean, I don't think that's much of a title. I like but that. But that's that's part of like what I feel like I'm I'm trying to do kind of like we were talking about before it's like um there are things that don't make sense in English there are things that are just they're they make the language harder they're not super logical and if I could change them I would um but I feel like I'm trying to like help or kind of just like serve them up um some of this information on a silver platter so that so that I can help them to know um maybe to avoid an awkward moment or you know try to use a phrase literally when that's not possible and that kind of thing i mean actually on TikTok, um i think the last i i saw the third highest um country in terms of viewers is the united states so I, there are a lot of people viewing from the united states which means that at least there they're gonna be in context where they they really want to use this and they these words these phrases and they want to use them well so i feel like hopefully i'm able to help <laughs> in those situations i definitely think so um so mm-hmm. oh, with, with all of this you know the, the the approach that you're taking i i imagine it's quite 
different to you know the the traditional approach to language teaching so I imagine when you're in the classroom you don't walk in there and you know do the whole class in Spanish and throw in a couple of English words I mean I, I imagine it's a different approach so it's a this is one of the you know I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call it a hot topic but it's a forever debated topic um in in ELT um yes. or ENL or EAL <laughs> or ELL um all of the all of those um the use of a learner's first language mm-hmm. how do you feel about that I mean obviously in your videos you feel great about it but, but in general how do you feel about it yeah um great question that's definitely a loaded question because yes um i would agree this is definitely a debated a debated topic um as you said i think in my videos i find it very useful um because like you said it makes things um, pretty easily digestible at least for for the spanish-speaking population that i'm trying to reach and trying to help out um, if we're thinking more generally, or if we're thinking in a classroom setting, I definitely try to lower that. Um, like you just said, I'm not going to walk in and, and say buenos dias, you know, in my morning class. It's probably, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like, they're probably, I mean, I don't necessarily want to do that. My students are probably not going to want that either. Um, and I know that there are teachers, there are people who think that, that, the L1 just basically in general should not enter the classroom. Um, I can see why people have that perspective. I, I do, honestly, I, I understand that approach. I'm in a moment, at least right now, where I don't feel like I completely have that perspective. I feel like um, the L1, the um, so, or a student's first language can be used effectively in a classroom. Um, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say should be used. I mean, I think that's kind of up to each teacher. Um, but I, it was actually, it was interesting. I think it was soon after I started at the academy that I'm working at now. Um, I remembered a another teacher who said, we were kind of talking about this a little bit, the L1, the use of the first language in the classroom. And, and she said, you know, I just think, honestly, it's absurd to pretend that students aren't already speakers of a language coming into the classroom. And I was like, you know, that's an interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea Um, because I think that there are some times that um, maybe you can try to explain something that's a little bit complex in English, such as if we're talking about the second conditional, the third conditional, um, you know, certain phrasal verbs and things like that. You could try to explain it in English, and honestly, most of the time I do. I give lots of examples in English and things like that. But I I do sometimes think it's useful to maybe translate a phrasal verb that you're trying to teach into Spanish. Let's say just with a phrasal verb, for example. Um, That's at least my own perspective right now. I try not to, to... necessarily do that from like a lazy approach i i think of it more as like a usefulness approach i mean one thing i think part of the debate is that that can save a little bit of time yeah um because you know a lot of my students at least at at the academy and my private students and everything um they're trying to learn you know relatively fast um 
So that doesn't mean we need to speed through everything. That doesn't mean that we should translate everything into Spanish. But I think part of the whole debate or part of the whole concept is trying to use your discretion as a teacher to decide, you know, is this possibly going to be more effective if I use a little bit of Spanish in this moment? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like like if I'm thinking about the phrasal verb to get over, <clears throat> right? I, I had recently taught this one. Um, I could explain for 10 minutes. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've mastered the art of silent sneezing. Nice. I have not. I'm the opposite, sadly. My Usually no, but on the radio, it tends to help. Oh, I just exposed you then. I'm so sorry. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I, I was um, recently talking about the phrasal verb get over. If you're not a native speaker of English, this is a, an extremely not literal phrase. So I could spend 10 minutes um, giving, you know, 10 different examples of when I could use get over. And then hopefully, or maybe my the students that I'm with at that time would get the meaning um, you know, be able to use it well. And I think that's very possible. And it's not to say that that's the wrong thing to do. I don't think that that's the wrong thing to do. But if I, I feel like if I try to explain it a little bit in English, maybe give a few examples, if I still see confused looks, I might say, superad. And yeah. then it's like, there's this big sigh of relief between all of the students. And it's not like that means they're going to start turning to each other and talking to each other in Spanish or, you know, translating word for word, everything that we're saying. But I feel like in some of those moments when there's that big sigh of relief from those students, it feels pretty useful because now it's like they've had millions of situations where they've used the verb superad when they're yeah. speaking in Spanish in their life. And they can now use that to use this verb or use this new term um, in English. There are some so, things as well that that translate really easily. Um, and as you yeah. mentioned, it depends so much on the situation, but like used to, solia, like it, it's just, you know, you've got that in one of your videos as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's just so, and the second conditional as well, it, it pretty much translates and comparatives pretty much translate. So, you mm -hmm. know, I'm not saying go into the classroom and just translate things, but, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I think yeah. the the key, obviously, it depends on the situation. It depends on who you're teaching. It depends on on all sorts of different things. But for me, mm -hmm. the the thing that's really missing is training on how to use an L one in the classroom. So mm -hmm. we we always leave it up to a teacher's discretion. You know, if you can't speak any Spanish, then you're not going to do it anyway. So your class is going to be only yeah. English. But <laughs> I think my my teaching improved a lot when I finally learned finally learned Spanish I don't I haven't learned Spanish I'm still learning Spanish obviously um but when I you know kind of began to dominate the language as mm -hmm. you might say in Spanish um dominar yes that in English um because um, you don't dominate master, kind yeah, of? master I mean, there you go as I start um, yeah. well, I don't feel like, not quite mastery but yeah when mm -hmm. I started to to be able to use it properly um mm -hmm. It helped me a lot, but also, you know, in, in the school I was working in um, back in 2016, the, mm. the the policy was that, you know, me as a foreign teacher, you know, I, I used to have hair then, I was, I was dreadfully handsome. Um, <laughs> 
but this like I was this foreign guy who they would you know put up on stage and I, there is the giddy the English guy we've yeah. got this guy he's here and he he mm. speaks English he's a native speaker so he's amazing but I was yeah. supposed to not know any Spanish and I was just like hang on a minute I've mm. lived in this country at the time for seven years if mm. I'm going into a classroom telling them they need to learn English but I haven't learned Spanish what kind of a role model is that? You don't yeah. you don't want to have them thinking that you can't speak Spanish. Fine, they can know you speak Spanish, but that you're you're not just going to use it, you know, mm-hmm. whenever because I can't yeah. really be bothered to teach you properly today. So, pues, mm-hmm. vamos a hablar un poquito en español y está bien. No, that's not, yeah. that's not how it works. You know, yeah. it's all about learning when to use it and how to use it. So, yeah. you know, in our I... training courses, in our E N L certificate learners training course it should yeah. have how to use an l1 i mean it's different if you're mm-hmm. teaching in a multilingual situation there are mm-hmm. translanguaging opportunities but mm-hmm. i think it's silly to completely discount these things you know this language that somebody has you know they've got exactly. the connections in their brain there so why not connect them to other words it's, yes. I, yes i really like to like my spanish the way i when i realized i had dominated it um yes. was, 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 I, was, right. I was actually standing in the shower one day thinking about a conversation I was going to have with my nan when I got back to the UK and I was what? thinking about it in Spanish and I was like ah that's cool like, I don't wow. dream in Spanish but like I had this real realization that I was doing this monologue in Spanish but you know wow so that's awesome like it's, students need to know that they've got this language and they can use it to help them in learning another language so yes absolutely and, you know, going back um, to, I, I agree with everything you just said, and going back to what you said about mm, <clears throat> the the whole notion of standing up in front of them with them thinking that, you know, you're a giri that has not made any effort to, to learn Spanish, speak any Spanish. It's like, that is kind of like a separating factor. And I do think that something that's potentially, you know, undervalued with using a little bit of L1 is building some rapport and kind of a good atmosphere and a relationship with your students. Not that, once again, not that you can't build a good rapport without using any Spanish. Of course you can do that. Um, But I think for me, coming from a place of knowing how it feels, um, you know, living here for a while, to try to be learning Spanish, speaking Spanish, improving my Spanish. Like, language, I think, is a super, you know, psychological thing. It's super psychological and super social. At least that's what what I feel and what I talk about with my students. And many times, if you feel like there's pressure in a situation, you feel nervous, you feel less comfortable with the person, you're going to bloquear or yeah. um, <laughs> like how... Um, get blocked. Block up. Uh, you're going to... Yeah, just... Uh, 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 it's not going to come out so well. Exactly. Because, yeah. Um, the language the cat will to... get to your tongue. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go with that one. <laughs> exactly. And um, that's what I've experienced in Spanish. And I've noticed consciously that in what social situations or maybe classroom situations too, I feel significantly more comfortable if I know that that person has any sense of understanding of how it feels to learn a language. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that everyone has the opportunity to learn language or that everyone should do that. But if you're able to to display that you have gone through that process at least a little bit, um, potentially by whether that's using Spanish in 
the classroom a little bit or, or talking about your experiences, learning some type of language. Um, I, I always see students' faces light up if if I talk about that or use a bit of Spanish or maybe say something in Spanish wrong. I mean, that happens sometimes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, exactly. They love the chance so, to teach like, you. Exactly. They have the chance to teach you. They might give a little giggle or something like that. And I, I just, I feel like that can go so far in how you feel in these conversations with your students. I mean, I've noticed that in group classes and private classes um, and all those sorts of things. And if I go back to the to the TikTok world for a second too, I think <clears throat> I think that that can be, can open up the room for a little bit of um, conversation in the in the comments on some of these videos, whether that's TikTok or, or Instagram or YouTube, um, there are a lot of students who, or people, I should say, who, who ask me things in Spanish. And then, yeah. you know, if, if they ask me in English, I'll reply in English generally, or if they ask me in Spanish, I'll reply in Spanish. And it's like, it breaks down this whole wall of like, okay, maybe this is someone who's just beginning to learn English. Like it's just beginning to be something interesting for them or something they would use. They couldn't ask in English or they wouldn't feel comfortable, let's say. Um, and then, the, you know, the, the whole wall is, is gone. So, yeah. Also on that rapport thing, if you like, if you say some slang in Spanish, yeah. they love it. Um, <laughs> they absolutely love it. Like particularly here in Andalusia, there's a lot of like, you know, typical phrases like mi alma and stuff like that. If you say that yeah. in class then they're just like, what? They, <laughs> they often talk about, so when, you know, when they hear me speaking in Spanish, they're like, oh, well, you've got a real Andalusian accent. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's giri lu. Like, it's giri and andalu. And they're like, they just, they love that. Like, suddenly they're like, oh, you know, he's laughing at himself, which is important. No, that is funny. Uh, I noticed your Andalusian accent. That's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> I've been here 12 years, so it's, it's taken a while. Okay. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so... We're, we're, we're wrapping up now. We're coming towards the end of this. Um, I could probably go on for quite a while. Um, as I mentioned, the sound of my own voice and all that stuff. But anyway, um, <laughs> do you have any tips for somebody who would like to start becoming a TikTok teacher or a TikTok English helper or somebody who helps with English via the medium of TikTok? That one isn't going to work. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good, good question. Um... I would say a couple things that I've kind of noticed or, or realized in the process. Um, one would be something that you kind of said before is to try to make the videos, especially if you're doing short form content mm -hmm. where like the person probably wants to watch it once and get it, not necessarily pause and like think super hard, try to make it pretty easily digestible. I feel like, um, adding text. I mean, that's, that's what I do generally with all my videos, adding text and then trying to draw attention to the text that is most important in the, in that scenario. Um, that's a good way to make it pretty easily digestible or, you know, for a more specific example, if I'm writing out, um, a couple of sentences or one sentence, but there's one new phrase that we just learned in the video that's in the sentence. Um, sometimes I make that a different color. And I think those small things, um, along with adding sounds, um, adding adding little effects and things like that, you know, like you said, not not necessarily over editing or spending all day having to edit one little video, but trying to draw attention to the important things. Um, I think that is super 
um, it makes it more digestible and more interesting for, for whoever's watching. So I would say that that would be um, one big tip that I would say, um, as well as, I don't, this is kind of more of a general thing. I'm not sure exactly how helpful this will be, do with it what you will, but I've seen different things online or in other content creators' videos, not necessarily language teachers, um, but people emphasize to make it things authentic to you. And I think that can be very important because I think probably for me, whether I realize it or not, or if you're creating your videos and you, whether you real, realize it or not, um, you're going to have that little sparkle or, or, you know, more passion, more energy potentially in your video. If this is something that you find interesting, something that you have at least, you know, a little bit of passion about, like when I, when I taught, for example, in a video, I taught the phrase, as far as I know, which in Spanish is que yo sepa. And when I learned the phrase, I just learned that probably a couple months ago, like when my roommate said it, I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Now I, like, I know how to say that. And I was so excited about it. And I think, you know, the, the phrases or the words, whatever you're teaching um, that you put in the videos, if you feel something about that and it's a little bit more authentic, um, I think that can go a long way too. Amazing. Yeah, I, I do need to, I'm trying to find time uh, to make more video content, but at the moment I've got too much other, <laughs> other, other things. Um, but when the new series of Renewable English starts on the 21st of, of April, by the way, uh, oh, yeah. which, which will be 16 days after people hear this, um, I will be making more regular videos i imagine um well that is about that for today so mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming along but before thank we you. go we've talked a lot about you being on tiktok and and youtube and so on i will put in the description box how people can find you um with with your your handles but why don't you tell us just quickly now before we go what are your handles and where can we find you oh sure okay um Let's see. So on TikTok, I am Annie Bruggs. That's A-N-N-I-E-B-R-U-G-G-S, Annie Bruggs. Um, and the title of my account is Inglés with Annie. I think if you search Inglés with Annie on really any of the platforms, you'll find me. Um, on Instagram, my handle is Inglés underscore with underscore Annie. Um, YouTube, I think technically what I'd have to do is post a link, but you could search Inglés with Annie and probably find me there as well on YouTube. Well, there you go. So if, if you're looking for Annie, look for Inglés with Annie and, and you will find her. Um, Annie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for, thank you for, so, for so giving much us your too. time. It was great talking with you. Thank you very much. Likewise. And well, I'll see you very soon on, on TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and I'll see you as well, it sounds like. On there. So, See you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading so there we have it there we had it annie herself of 
Inglés with Annie um, was here in the studio. She's currently in the classroom teaching people Inglés with her, I guess. Um, so at the end of the day, what she was talking about, one of the, the big points that she mentioned, um, and something I hear a lot about when uh, people talk about social media and and content, and that's to be authentic and to be yourself. I'm not exactly sure how to not be myself. I No, I'm, I'm not sure I could do that. Um, but remaining authentic to yourself within your within your content is, is super important. Um, and to make sure you feel something about what you are talking about, about what you are teaching about, uh, something that you care about, and it isn't just you know, for the likes or you know, to please the algorithm. Although that said, quite a lot of content out there is just algorithm pleasing nonsense but you know people like to watch that kind of thing on TikTok I guess um I'm still not great with TikTok I I try and find the time to get around all other social media but at the moment it's just wave after wave of all sorts of other things classroom work um planning of course we're all pretty aware of that <laughs> and then materials to create a a new series that's that's planned and ready to go, but still needs bits and pieces done to it. So yeah, it does. It does, of course, get a bit overwhelming. So it's sometimes nice to jump on there and just watch some mind-numbing nonsense. Um, but of course, it's much better to not just numb our minds, but maybe find something important um, and interesting to to fill our minds with. She also mentioned about being digestible, so not just lots of super complex things on there. Now, I know in uh, a huge area of my work, a lot of the, the vocabulary that I teach, a lot of, of what we talk about in terms of sustainability can be awfully complex. And particularly for a, a second language learner can sometimes seem that, you know, maybe maybe they'd rather be learning the third conditional uh, than, than talking about the climate being a commons or talking about carbon sequestration. However, you know, those things are important uh, to the language, but you can also harness English through sustainability and vice versa. And I, I really like what Annie does with her videos. Uh, she mentions there are other content creators out there who speak in Spanish and then, you know, give the rough translation in English, but they are usually Spanish speakers with an L1. She's doing it as, a, as an English speaker, um, using Spanish as the medium to teach English in her videos. But as you heard, she did say she doesn't really do that all that much in the classroom. Um, but she does use it as a way of uh, enganchar is, is a word that she could probably do um, to get people hooked. She uses it as a hook to, to make sure people do get, get what they need in that very short space of time. In those those 35 seconds, they can get absolutely everything they need. Um, so we are coming rapidly to uh, an end of the show, and and it, for me this this was a really good learning curve, a, a really interesting one to learn all about how Annie has gone from you know naught to eighty thousand followers in such a short time, and and she mentions it as you know it is that authenticity. I think again finding the time to create these videos is something very difficult for for all of us as teachers. Um, because we do have so much on our plate at the moment um, and so little time to get around 
uh, anything else. So if you've enjoyed the show, please do jump onto your, your podcast provider um, and give us a review. Remember, there are loads of other shows you can tune into, of course, um, and you can also jump onto ttradio.org forward slash listen back if you want to get ready for this. Listen back to any of the previous shows that we've had, um, not just the, the Wednesday Twilight show with Harry, but of course, there are about 70-something shows that you can delve into um, and listen back to those. But there are so many other shows with all sorts of different uh, areas of teaching to listen to. So please do get in there, have a listen, and do feel free to give us a review, but make sure it's a nice one. I kid, of course. Say whatever you feel. Um, this is a free-ish world where we are free to say what we need and what we want. I will be back next week with a surprise guest. Uh, so do come along, uh, do join us. As you know, um, I did a, a bit of humble bragging on social media earlier. Um, I'm not in my regular studio in my office in Seville. I'm actually uh, in Portugal, in Portimao, which is a couple of hours from where I live. My wife surprised me this morning and said, we're getting out of the city. We're going somewhere else today. Uh, so there is about 45 minutes left of the sun. So I'm going to go and throw myself into the ocean, probably get very cold and run out of the ocean quickly. Um, but it has been wonderful speaking to you all. Um, I can't wait to see, stroke, hear you next week. Um, in the meantime, have a lovely weekend. Have a lovely rest of the week. And I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.